This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 114 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we tell a tale about the Olivaher, the all-father of Irish mythology himself. This is the story of the Dagda and the Dagda's Harp. But first, before that, I want to give a big welcome to any brand new listeners. If you enjoy this episode, head right back to the beginning, 113 episodes ago, and see what we've been building up to over the journey of Fireside. And if you're a returning listener, as always, you are very welcome back. Please do follow me over on Instagram, at Fireside Bar. It really helps to keep that alive and to keep that boosting it's always a great reference point when trying to get people on board uh, it does make a difference so please do continue to follow me over there uh, if you really want to support the podcast you can do so by joining headstuff plus and supporting fireside uh, where you will gain access to exclusive content not just from this podcast but from every other podcast on the Headstuff podcast network. Recently I uploaded the full uh, video of uh, Fireside's performance at the Dublin Podcast Festival in 2019. There's also uh, the video I recorded from my original ballad of the Giant's Causeway. It's going to be the best place for future for me to keep in contact with all of you and to create more and build and sustain more of the Fireside community. So all that and more you can join for as little as five euro a month over on Headstuff Plus. But the story, actually, I just want to give, have we had a, a few new, I just want to give a big thank you to the most recent uh, members to join up for Headstuff Plus, a lot of whom have transferred over from the Patreon account, so thank you so much. Connor Phelan, Ben Clifford, Cassandra Burrow, Philip Kyo, Karen Jackson, Claire Byrne, Mike Campbell, and Derek Courtney. Thank you so much to each one of you. We're nearly at 20, uh, nearly at 20 supporters over on Headstuff Plus, and it's a brand new thing, so that's a great start. Headstuff themselves got on to me and said that uh, overall membership to Headstuff Plus is at 50% higher than they were estimating for the first month. So thank you to each and every one for helping to get this brand new thing off the ground for an Irish podcasting company like Headstuff is supporting independent podcasts such as myself. Um, So thank you to each and every one of you and for the rest of you join up if you can and if you want. 
The story for this week is, I mentioned a couple of times recently that I wanted to do a story that just centered on the Dagda because he is the Zeus, he's the Jupiter, he is the All-Father, he's the Odin of Irish mythology. And while my one of my favorite things about Irish mythology is that it's considerably more feminist than a lot of of mythologies uh, we valued we've certainly valued our women far more in Irish mythologies than in certain other world ones uh, or certainly in how they were translated down through the conversion to Christianity that so many mythologies experienced but there's been very little certainly in this podcast that is centered on the Dagda and in the great question of what is the difference between folklore and mythology, my understanding of which has always been that a myth myth features gods and great heroes, whereas folk tales are the stories of people, of you and me. They are folklore, they are folk tales. But sometimes, and naturally a lot of the time, the two worlds converge and the lines blur between the two. And sometimes, particularly, you get a myth that is as perfectly contained and simple as a folktale. And this was a story like that. I found it kind of out of context. It wasn't in Lady Gregory's Book of Irish Mythologies. I just found a really great version of it, uh, first on Bard Mythologies, which is a site I go to every so often. It just has really, really, it's really clear and really beautiful condensed uh, versions of a lot of these stories. And it's been a good resource for uh, telling my own versions of these stories. Or sometimes if I'm looking for a, a couple of different versions, it's great to pick up a couple of little little bits from and... Uh, they had a beautiful version of this story, which wasn't one I was overly familiar with. But once it was a self but it was a self-contained almost side quest. This is a side quest story, um, very much like a fetch side quest in a video game, you know. And that's one of the reasons I like it, and I like it most of all because it's quite self-contained. But we'll get right down to it. We will chat more afterwards. This is the story of the Dagda's Harp on Fireside. The Dagda's Harp The Tuadedanen came from four cities in the north, Phalius, Gorius, Thinius, and Murius. And from each of these four cities they brought four treasures. The sword, the spear, on Fall, the stone of destiny, and the cauldron of the Dagda. A cauldron that would satisfy the stomach of anyone who ate from it. And because the Dagda was on Olivar, the All-Father of the Tuadedanen, he had other treasures for himself. He had a club so powerful it could kill nine men with one blow. Not only that, but the club could also restore life with its other side. Perhaps the life-giving club is the reason a lot of stories of the Dagda's club involve the club's comparison to his... Again, ask your mother. But the Dagda's greatest prize of all was his harp, Utna, the harp of the four angles. It was carved of the first ever oak planted in Era, and it could play music that could bring joy to the most grief-stricken, or sadness to the most merry, or sleep to the most distracted and perturbed. 
It all depended on what the situation called for and in what mood the Dagda was in. For it was only the Dagda that could play the harp. Others could pluck its strings, but it would make no sound. Utna would only sing at the great god's touch. It was the second great battle of Moitara, when the Tuadedanan were defending Era from the attack of the Fomorians, the race of aquatic giants from across or beneath the sea. The Fomorians were led by Baelor of the Evil Eye and Brez, the turncoat traitor of the Tuadedanan. The Dagda would eat porridge from his porridge. Take that again. The Dagda would eat porridge from his cauldron in the morning, fight with his club by day, and play the sweetest music by night. The Battle of Moitara was intense, bloody, and well matched. There were losses on both sides. But when the Dagda played his harp, the wounded of the Thuadedanan thought only of their glorious victories. But a small group of Fomorians in their camp across the valley heard the melody of the harp mocking them. The Fomorians concluded that the music of the Dagda was giving the Tuadedanan the courage and heart in battle that they needed, and that without it they would be undermined and lose faith. So the Fomorians decided to steal the Dagda's harp. The next morning, after the Dagda had eaten from the cauldron and picked up his club and led a troop of the Tuadedanan into the carnage, a covert force of Fomorian swine swooped into the enemy camp and stole the precious harp. They took the swag to an abandoned castle to wait out the fight. Their king, Baylor of the Evil Eye, had a trademark, Evil Eye, an eye that lay behind an eye patch, an eye that, when revealed, had the power to stop the heart of anyone who made contact with it. If you looked in Baylor's Evil Eye, you, my friend, would die. So the Fomorians had every faith that if they sat and guarded the harp within the walls of this old castle, Baylor would lead them all to victory. The Fomorians, though, did not have Lu Lovada, Lu of the Long Hand, the Ildonok, the master of all arts. Lu was king of the Tuadedanan, and he was also Baylor's grandson. Baylor of the Evil Eye had long heard of a prophecy that he would be slain by his own grandchild. But as he had locked his only daughter in a tower all her life, Baylor thought he had already averted that prophecy. But time and time again, prophecy, of course, can never be averted. Baylor's daughter had fallen in love with Cian of the Tuadedanan. Together they had had a son who was now grown to be a king of his father's people. Lu was urged not to fight in the great battle of Moitara, as he was too valuable to them. But the battle of Moitara was Lu's fight, and the golden god mounted Manonan's foam-white horse, picked up his spear, Fragorok, the answerer, and went to fulfil that prophecy. And fulfil it he did. 
After knew the law of Aragad fell in battle, Lou picked up his sword, and as Baylor lifted his eye patch to end his enemy's life, Lou tossed the spear which sailed through Baylor's skull and brought his evil eye shattering out the other side. Suddenly the bare eye was in the line of sight of Baylor's own people. The prophecy was complete, and the Fomor were defeated. Back at the abandoned castle, the group of Fomorians defending the Dagda's heart began to see stragglers fleeing the battle. They realized their cause was lost, but they would not retreat. They had one of the greatest treasures of the Tuadedanan, and as long as they defended it, the Fomor would never truly be defeated. But this band of survivors were not naive. They knew it would not be long before the Dagda came for his harp. Sure enough, as the Tuadedanan began to celebrate their victory, everyone called for the Dagda to play his harp. He went to oblige, and it was then the Dagda realized that Utna, his beloved instrument, had been stolen. The Dagda stood and said, My harp has been stolen. Today's victory will be hollow if we cannot pay our dead the honour they deserve. If we cannot deserve their sacrifice, we need that music. Who will come with me to retrieve my harp? There were two immediate volunteers. Ogma, the reader of the runes, the creator of the first Irish alphabet, Om, and Lu Lavada. They were all exhausted from the fight. But there was one fight left. The three musketeers of the Tuadedanan arrived at the abandoned castle. It was not hard to find, for as wide as the music of the Dagda's harp reached, so too could the Dagda hear his harp when it was at rest. The three crept inside. All of the enemy Fomor were asleep with the harp safely guarded at the centre of the room. But this was no issue for the Dagda. He called for the harp, and the great instrument flew across the room and into the arms of its owner. But the flying harp had woken the Fomor, and rubbing sleep from their eyes, they all picked up their swords, ready to get that harp back. Ogma turned to the Dagda and said, I think you better play your harp. The Dagda obliged and played the music of mirth, and every one of those Fomorian soldiers dropped their swords and began to laugh and dance. If there had been a bar, they would have called for a round. But when the tune ended, the smiles faded, the swords were retrieved, and they began to advance once more. Lou then turned to the Dagda. I think you better play your harp. Again. This time the Dagda played the music of sadness, and each Fomor fell to his knees in tears. Why? cried one. It's just all so senseless, said another. Lambs to the cosmic slaughter, cried a third. But once again the tune ended, and the Fomor picked up their weapons and advanced on the Dagda again. The Dagda then played a final tune the music of sleep, and all weapons were dropped, and the Fomorian thieves fell into an exhausted sleep. The Dagda, Ogma, and Lu left with the harp. 
no further bloodshed needed, and the Dagda's harp was never stolen again. To be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. I'm Geroad Farrelly and I'm the host of Fascinated. Have you ever wondered about the pop bands you liked as a teenager? What went on behind the scenes? We had played this like grand prank. It sounds terrible, but I'm just so relieved it's over. And then they had this like great idea of getting another girl in who looked like Heavenly. What did they do afterwards? And all of a sudden you're like, that's the end of that. It was all blowing up when it all kind of just unraveled. And I thought it would last forever and it didn't. Check out Fascinated with me, Gerald Farrelly on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And that is the tale of the Dagda's Harp on Fireside and I hope you enjoyed it. Nice, self-contained, intimate tale. Intimate. Yeah, there's a couple. So, what to talk about with this tale? Yeah, I love these side quest tales as I called it beforehand because you have the context of the great battle of Moitara which we got to visit more of again as well with our episode on Bridget a couple of weeks ago so that material and that landscape is fresh in our minds again and it's really nice being back in that world I don't know if those of you who've been listening to Fireside since the very beginning will know we might remember that when we did the second battle of Moitera in I think about it was episode 10 I think it was 10 or 12 I think 10 the Dagda was the one who negotiated at the beginning with the Fomor and he went to parley with them and they made the Dagda eat porridge from a hole in the ground and the Dagda ate so much that he kind of ballooned like Violet Beauregard in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and had to be physically rolled back to the Tour de Danon. So you had that great cosmic comedy going on there and we have this image of the Dagda's club which can end nine lives with one swing and restore life with the other and then we get this image of the harp the harp, which reminds me very much of the harp in the Jack and the Beanstalk folktale, one of the items that Jack steals from the giant is a harp that sings itself and doesn't even need to be played. And of course, we have this idea that uh, the harp is the symbol of Ireland. Quite a controversial and very interesting point about the harp. The harp that is the national symbol of Ireland that is on our passports that is on that lovely burgundy passport we've got the brian baru harp printed on that which is one of the oldest harps still in existence in ireland regrettably it was not actually brian baru's harp it's dated about 500 years after brian baru i think and um which is which is a shame but it's still and always will be known as the brian baru harp but it was actually henry the eighth 
who first used the harp as the symbol of Ireland. It was already that renowned as a symbol of Ireland. So popular was harp music, you know, in the Brehan laws, in the ancient laws of Ireland, the only musicians who were valued were the harpers and the pipers. And it was the harpers who were valued above all. And still to this day, when I was doing Celtic nights and I was touring America and we were selling our wares like a Turkish bazaar after the show, um, and I was trying to hock a few few of my CDs. We, always, always we would get asked, uh, have you anything with a bit of harp on it? And I went back to Kate, the harp player in the show afterwards, because she didn't have, uh, she didn't play the harp, her, or she uh, didn't have a CD herself at the time. And I said, Hammer, we all called her Hammer. Um, Hello, Hammer, if you're listening to this. She's not listening. Uh, I said, Hammer, for the love of God, record an album of harp music because it will fly out. Because there is just something about it. And she was an incredible player as well. Um, it's such a beautiful and impressive instrument to hear. We're so associated with heaven and angels, you know, strumming their harps in the sky. Um, but there's a great versatility to it as well. And an and epic, mythic quality to it. Because I play both the whistle and the flute at the moment and what I like about those two instruments which have the same fingering in in theory if you can play one you can play the other although the the flute requires a much more difficult embouchure which is the method of blowing into the instrument that takes much more to master and uh, much more time to master then it can to just, you know, you can just blow into a tin whistle and make, you can get a sound, not necessarily a good one, but you can get a sound out of it. But you can't just blow into a flute and make a sound. But what I quite like about the two instruments is to me, the tin whistle is like the sound of folklore. It's like the sound of folk tales. There's a beautiful contained simplicity in it. And all you need is like a, an instrument and in, that's, can be inexpensive. You can spend five euro on a tin whistle or you can spend 250 euro on a tin whistle. You know, they have that range, but you can get one that's that cheap and get a tune out of that. Likewise with folk tales, all you need is that story and you can it can be your own, it can be self-contained and all you need is that tale. Whereas the flute has that same simplicity and beauty at its core but there's much more of a world an earth there's an earthy ethereal quality to the sound of the flute i think i think the flute is like when you hear it's played well and you hear the sound of air on wood it's it's a quite hard way to describe it but like it just sounds like you are making wood whistle which is exactly what you're doing but that timbre and that that really rooted sound to me has that earthy cosmic context that that myths do and more and more I like to pair these stories up with tunes to counterpart with them and that has always just made sense in my head this idea of the whistle being folk tales and the flute being mythology and the harp is very definitely mythology i feel the illan pipes are kind of both as well the illan pipes because the illan pipes are so common in folk tales but they can also have that immense grandeur as well and kind of be a whole session unto themselves 
but the harp definitely belongs with the flute in that it's a mythic mythic instrument and we have here we have here this this three musketeers moment where ogma and lou and and the dag to go to find the the harp which reminds me for whatever reason it reminds me of sirith ungle or kirith ungle however you pronounce it in at the end of return of the king where Frodo is kidnapped by a group of orcs in Mordor and Sam has to go and rescue him. That's the kind of image I have of this abandoned tower and all of these sleeping Fomor. We also have had more and more very early on in the run of this podcast and then a couple in recent times, this idea of enchanted instruments, you know, making others dance. We had it... uh, in the man who couldn't stop dancing that I got from Joe Hayes's book of uh, of um, South American folklore, and uh, we had it in the wonderful tune, one of the very earliest stories ever on Fireside. But the again to tie in with the idea of the multiplicity and the the richness to the harp, like the flute, the harp can. We had the idea of the, this enchanted mandolin that could only that could make people dance uncontrollably. But the harp can do that. But it can also the Dagda's harp can also make you weep. It can make you laugh. It can make you cry. It can make you sleep. It all depends on the intention of the user. And while this is a an enchanted fairy story and myth, there's something very true to the instrument I feel from that from what little because I'm not I'm not a harper and I haven't heard or experienced even half as much of it as I would but whenever I was on tour with harpers and whenever I am and and encounter it at sessions or in concerts that's always what I feel about that instrument and that's probably another reason why I like this tale so much I hope you that that felt like a nice little little ramble rant. I have to say, I uh, I wondered when I'd say this on the podcast. I a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine tagged me or just messaged me and said that Fireside had been featured on Reddit. And I used to be on Reddit quite a bit. Uh, my best friend is an immense, immense fan of it. And uh, it was just a thread on our Ireland, I think. And someone was looking for an Irish folklore podcast and just a few people were recommending Fireside. If you are one of those people, I think this thread is from a while ago. It's like a year ago. And if you are one of those uh, people who gave it a shout out, thank you so much. I really appreciate some of your comments. Amazingly, this is always the way anyone at all in the arts will always tell you this. You always look for the bad one, don't you? There was this incredibly damning statement that just said... uh, Good podcast, uh, good podcast, not the biggest fan of the host. It was one of those <gasps> attacking my character. But as I've said many times, um, the story section of these podcasts are so scripted that I like to keep the beginning, the intros and outros loose. That can make them meandery and make them a bit arm and eye, and they're always the most nerve-wracking aspects of these because I think my skills are more in my storytelling rather than me talking about the stories I don't feel because I'm not an academic you know Uh, but I also do like keeping this part of the podcast more organic and riffy and it keeps it alive for me and I think I get more confident in it 
and it's always nice because you're never going to please everybody it's i always like when as much as we all would like everyone to like everything if something's not someone's particular cup of tea it means it is someone else's and those kind of things really bolster me on i think in terms of just being for better or for worse as me as i can be on this podcast so thank you very much to the person who said that i uh that he was not the biggest fan of me one thing i will say i don't know how you can like this podcast if you don't like me that's that's the power of irish mythology and folklore right there these stories are so good that they can somehow survive having to listen to me <laughs> but with that i'm gonna wrap things up so thank you all so much for listening um please do follow me over on instagram and um, if you want to get in touch please do join headstuff plus at headstuffpodcast.com five euro a month you can join the community you can support this podcast financially in the way that it does need and is very much appreciated every euro towards it um headstuff plus has really got off to a great start and we hope that it can and um, because it would be amazing if if someday there could be a if i could get some kind of livable wage off this because i love doing it so much and i'm not in any danger of running out of steam anytime soon and there's plenty on it for you there'll be plenty of bonus content i was going to upload a new piece um a new bonus piece every month or so i think i might do it for every 10 listeners as i know so we're nearly at 20 so i might do my third piece of content when we get to 20 and then 30 maybe that might be a nice incentive to keep people coming back keep people ex- staying recording uh i think that's what i'll do uh thanks so much to alan pa- paddy and connor everyone over at headstuff next week we have another folk tale we have we did the rival campers last week did we this is from me recording in my solitude in my uh studio we have a story actually a story about an illin piper from a story about a harp to a story about the piper Got a fairy story called The Young Piper next week. Uh, Changeling Tale, really nice one. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.